The reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. 1 John chapter 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We are in a series of before and after. And today, we're talking about a story that you probably already know. I think you do. Uh, Excitement was in the air. Jesus' popularity was at its prime. People had heard about this Jesus. They wanted to get a, a glimpse of Him. They wanted to hear Him. Whenever He would say something, people would write it down. They wanted to share it with their friends. Uh, they wanted to go see Him in person. This miracle worker, this rabbi who taught like no one else. But on this particular day, an awfully short guy, we call him a wee little man, uh, came to see Jesus. And so that's our story to the, today. He's a tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. And maybe one of the first Bible stories you learned as a child, maybe just from the song, and you wonder, well, what's all the fuss about Zacchaeus? I want us to step our way through this account. It's in Luke 19. If you want to follow along, you can follow in your Bibles. We'll put the verses on the screen as well. But what I want us to see here are in this before and after series we're doing, how Jesus interacts with people. He changes them. Sometimes they say yes and they change for the good, but not always. But what we see in this situation are four different characteristics of transformation that goes from being selfish to selfless. Now, Luke's uh, gospel is the only one who tells us this story. The others do not. But uh, there, Luke 19, pick up the story, verses 1 and 2. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So right off the bat, first couple of verses, we learn some things about Zacchaeus. If you study this before, you know tax collecting. I mean, we think of taxes as being a negative, and please don't even mention the word. But if we could take that and put times 100, you think, well, they already do, I know. But um, it was a bad game. It was a bad situation. Rome needed an insider to be able to know how to tax the people. People didn't report their wages, so they needed somebody on the inside who could go in and know who was the rich man, who had what, and to be able to access the the tax and get the money for the Roman government. And so what that did is it created an environment, a situation that was easy to exploit people. I won't tell Rome what all you have, but to keep me quiet, it's going to cost you something. And so they get a little kickback, maybe a four sheep or maybe a little bit of extra money. But then that would also go back, they could tell the people in Rome, well, they said this, but I saw more. And so then it was a back and forth. So it was easy to hate the tax collector. To be a tax collector, you sold out your own people. You were working for the enemy. And so nobody loved a tax collector. And so that's Zacchaeus. That's who he is. He had the money. He had the power. He had the right to come into your house and to look around and see what all you had. But what we also see is he's consumed with self. And as this story reveals, it wasn't enough. He wasn't content. You know, any person, regardless of their height, is a small person when they're consumed with self. We know that, don't we? But if you want to be transformed for Jesus Christ, 
This story in Luke 19 is a good example for us today. The third verse says, He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So I want us to see the first characteristic, Zacchaeus desired to get close to Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. See, people who don't want change, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to see Jesus. They don't want you to talk about Him. They don't want to come to church. They don't want you to quote Scripture. They don't want to read your bumper sticker. They don't want to hear anything about it. You ever seen one of those contests that as a part of the rules it says must be present to win? You know what I'm talking about? You know, and so you're thinking about, you know, as you're filling out the little form, maybe as you're going to the store, do I really want to come back on that day? Or do I want to stay the whole day to be here for the drawing? But there's a sense where when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, you must be present to win. You have to be engaged. It's not just, oh, write my name on the, on the slip of paper and put it in the box and maybe something good will happen to me. You have to be engaged. You have to be present in church. You've got to get involved in a Bible class. Getting involved in people's lives. And praying together. Sharing together. Putting yourself in settings where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. Remember after Jesus died on the cross and He appeared to His disciples? And on that night, Thomas wasn't there. And we don't know why. Maybe he was working. Maybe he didn't know about the meeting. Maybe he was running late. Maybe he didn't care. But he wasn't there. All the disciples had gathered together in that room and Jesus appeared to him. Thomas wasn't there. He missed out. See, there's strength. There's value that comes from just being with the people. J. Wallace Hamilton wrote this, If a man doesn't believe, is he to blame? Yes. If he doesn't take the opportunity to come to where the light is shining, I think it makes a good point. You have to choose if you want to believe or not. And really, it's your own choice. But to put yourself in a situation where you can be exposed to God's Word and be encouraged by God's people. And that's constantly. Have you ever wondered why Zacchaeus desired to come to Jesus? I mean, we get this from his opening verses, but, but why? Why was he not content to stay in his position as a tax collector? Obviously, he had a good thing going, at least as far as the money goes. But in this situation, why? Why did Zacchaeus want to be close to Jesus? Maybe, we don't know this, but maybe Zacchaeus had been invited to that party that Matthew threw. Do you remember? Early on in the ministry, when Jesus called Matthew, Matthew threw a party and he invited not just the disciples, but also his friends. And so you had this mixture of a group. And could it be that Zacchaeus was there? He's a fellow tax collector. He would have known Matthew. Could he have heard Jesus talk? Have you watched Jesus in action? Maybe months later, Matthew may have shared with Zacchaeus about how Jesus had changed his life. He'd given up tax collecting. And it was the best decision he'd ever made. Not sure where he's going. Not sure what it's going to mean. But I wonder if Zacchaeus has heard Matthew talking about it. See, to Zacchaeus' credit, he didn't just simply go to see Jesus. The text tells us there he went to see who Jesus was. Who is this guy? What's he about? What's his message, really? Zacchaeus wanted to get up close. And here's the, the takeaway to this, to this. For me, what I see is people 
are still seeking Jesus today. They don't even know they want to know. But they're so caught up in a world, just like Zacchaeus was caught up in the world, doing things maybe he didn't even want to do, enjoying maybe some of the blessings of it, if you can use that word, the benefits of it. But it wasn't enough. And today, people, I think, are still hungry. You and I are both surrounded by people who are in desperate need of Jesus. And down deep, they want to know. Co-workers, neighbors, relatives, they're hungry for the Gospel. And you can be the one to build a bridge, open a door, be there maybe like Matthew, and just say, let me tell you what, what, what I've seen. Let me tell you what He's done for me. Or not. Someone defined evangelism as one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. And you've got friends who are hungry. They would love to know what you know. They would love to know what you know. They would love to believe what you believe. They would love to have what you have. And what you have in Jesus Christ. What an opportunity for us to build a bridge so that others can know more about Jesus. There's a passage in James 4.8 eight says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. We're familiar with that passage. Warren Wiersbe observed this. He said, Zacchaeus thought he was seeking Jesus, but Jesus was actually seeking Zacchaeus. And we can see that happening in the story, can't we? Well, let's notice the second characteristic. Zacchaeus persevered despite the obstacles. He persevered despite the obstacles. Look in verse 3 again. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Now, we know this about him. Don't know a lot about Zacchaeus, but we do know he was a short man. So that's obviously a, a physical limitation. And he could have said, well, you know, I tried. I was there in the crowd and I couldn't see, but at least I showed up. At least I, I, I showed up for that. I gave it my best shot. But he didn't do that. I, I was thinking about this and I, and I thought about our church family. And on any given Sunday, just to come to worship, there are some people because of a physical limitation, maybe it's uh, getting advanced in age, or, or maybe an illness, that it's all they can do just to get here for worship. And it's a struggle. That they, even they wake up in the morning, they're not even sure if they're going to make it. Or I think about parents of young kids who have to wake them up and feed them and get them dressed and then park way over in the, in the post office. And then by the time they get to the door, they're exhausted they need a nap. They need a shower. And church hasn't even started yet. But you're not letting the physical limitations struggle to keep you down. That's what we see Zacchaeus here. He was short, but that was not going to stop him. But here's something else, and I think it's even bigger than his physical stature. Another obstacle. Everybody knew Zacchaeus, you know what I mean? Everybody knew the tax man. And if the tax man is there and he's wanting to see Jesus, are you going to scoot over and let him in? You're going to offer him here, you know, I'll give you this and you stand in it and let you... No. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. In fact, if you liked Zacchaeus, nobody would like you. That's who he was. It was kind of a, a part of the job. Don't you know, I don't know this, but I can't help but think that people took delight in blocking Zacchaeus. That he was in the back. Nobody's moving over. Maybe he's standing on their tiptoe to block him. Nobody wanted to help him. So again, the question here, the application, are you the kind of person that's blocking people from seeing Jesus? Or are you the type of person that makes it easier for them to see Jesus for who He really is? Look in verse 4. 
says, we ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to try to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. And again, understanding the culture here that goes against the norm, running ahead, climbing a tree, order to get this bird's eye view, is going the extra mile. He wanted to see who Jesus was, and he wasn't going to be stopped. He's trying to get a close view of this Jesus. Look in verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. Now notice, before we keep reading, Zacchaeus. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. Again, maybe they'd met. Maybe they met at Matthew's house. Maybe they just met at some other point. We don't know that. Or maybe it's the first time they'd seen each other. But isn't that the sweetest sound? We know it to be true, isn't it? When someone knows your name. Maybe you met them a long time ago. You're not even sure if you met them. Maybe they've heard about you and they call you by name. Maybe at work and it's a large place where you work and you've met the president, the CEO, maybe once or twice. And he comes to your department and he calls you by name. That means something, doesn't it? You remember that. We all like to be called by name. Can you imagine how Zacchaeus felt when Jesus, this miracle man, this, this rabbi who teaches like no other, he calls Zacchaeus by name. Matthew 10.30 says, Jesus, even the hairs, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Jesus said that. Isaiah 49, 16 tells us that God has engraved you on the palms of your hands. In verse 5 of our text, Zacchaeus, Jesus said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That had to be a shocker. Maybe not so much to call his name. Maybe they'd met before, we don't know. But now he's inviting himself to come to the house. I can't help but think this stunned everybody watching this story unfold. How Zacchaeus had run ahead, climbed the tree, Jesus calls him out by name, and now he's going to the house. What was Zacchaeus thinking? Wow, didn't expect that. I mean, I'm the tax collector, I'm the outcast, I'm not worthy. Or he could have said, you know, I just came to see what the fuss is about. I'm not sure I'm ready for you to come to dinner. Or he could have said, you know, I'm not sure if you want to come to my house. I paid for my house with some money that I didn't get in the most upright way. That would be a difficult thing. Now, as we read through the story, let's, let's be honest. Most of us would not characterize ourselves as being selfish. Isn't that true? We'd like to think that I'm, I'm a little more giving, that I, I think of others. But the truth of the matter is that most of us are more selfish than we'd like to admit. I think some of it's just being human. Think about this. Someone shows you a picture on their phone or maybe a, a photograph, and it's a group photo and you're in it. Who's the first person you look for? You. Of course you do. We all do that. When you go to the store, do you look for the best parking spot for you? Of course you do. When a plate of chicken is passed around at dinner and there's only two pieces left, a thigh and a wing, which piece do you get? In your house, in your family, who gets to drive the best car? Do you arrive at worship early to encourage others, maybe visit and maybe greet guests, or just in time so that you are not late? For those of you who are patting yourself on the back for getting here early, let me ask you this, is your chief motive to get here early 
for others to visit, to encourage, to greet a visitor, even though you're maybe not a sign, but just to, to be friendly? Are you coming to get the best parking spot and to get your seat? You see, we can all be selfish people if we're not careful. And you know this already. But when you boil sin down to what, we're, what it is at its core, it's just selfishness. It's just selfishness. We sin when we stubbornly choose to do what we want instead of what God wants us to do. Are we selfish? At times, every one of us, every one of us can be selfish. Can we change Can you change that? Well, that's the question Zacchaeus wants to know through this whole interchange. Look in verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So evidently they go to Zacchaeus' house. They have a meal together. And again, as you think about this, you have to wonder what's going through Zacchaeus' mind. He wants me. He picked me. Maybe he could be part of one of the disciples. Or maybe Jesus just needs a place where he can rest and get away from the crowds. Maybe it's lunchtime and he just needs a place to eat. But there's a third characteristic of this genuine transformation. I want you to get this. Zacchaeus allowed Jesus into his private life. He allowed Jesus into his private life. He came into his house. And we can have, even today, a hard time doing that. Maybe we'd allow him into our house, but don't go into that closet because in that closet, there's some things that nobody sees or very few people see. That's my greed. There's my lust. There's my dishonesty. And don't go downstairs because well, there's my, my liquor cabinet is downstairs. If you go to the family room, well, I'm going to grab the remote control because there's some movie channels that Jesus may not want to see. Or here's my computer, but don't look at my internet history. If Jesus was coming to your house, would you care what He saw? Would you want Him to go through all the drawers? Open up all the cabinets? Go into every room? That's what we're talking about. What's interesting to me is I I see this story. Zacchaeus didn't seem to care. You want to come to my house? Let's go. And, and, And they do. Why? I think the why here... It's because Zacchaeus was at a point where he was ready to change. He was ready for something different. And sometimes the best way for us to grow in our relationship with God is just to be ready to give something up. Whatever it is that's holding us back. Whatever it is that we're valuing too highly. See, sharing the good news of Jesus is not easy because not everybody wants to hear or they're open to hear. I mentioned earlier that that there's people around us that, yeah, they're hungry for that, but not everybody There are those who don't want to hear. But when you look closely, you'll discover Jesus doesn't want your money. Jesus doesn't want your time. Jesus doesn't want your talent. What He wants is your heart. He wants you. Because when we willingly give our heart ourselves, or then our time and our money and our talent, we know this. It, It follows. Because we're so grateful for His grace. Jesus Christ, and here's a story, here's a takeaway. He wants to come into every one of us in our hearts, in our home, to be that personal with us, just like he did with Zacchaeus. You know, a few weeks ago, we, we studied the story, another before and after, of the rich young ruler that didn't end so well. It's in Luke chapter 18. And Zacchaeus, if you think about it, had to know the rich young ruler. 
I mean, any tax collector would know the rich man, right? So they had to know each other. And see, if this, this tax man knew about the rich man, I wonder if he knew about the story and if he knew what Jesus had told him. Go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. And knowing that, Zacchaeus comes to Jesus to discover a little bit more. Just a few days have passed, and I can't help but think that he had to be aware of that and still came to Jesus and still allowed Jesus to come to his house. He realized there was going to be a cost involved. See, let me just say it like this. Regardless of whether you're rich or poor or somewhere in between, wherever you evaluate yourself, if you hold on to things of this world too tightly, you're going to be miserable. Zacchaeus was shown love and acceptance by Jesus Christ. He accepted right where he was. And as a result of that, it motivated him to, to unselfish living. He went from being stingy to being generous. And that's our fourth characteristic. Zacchaeus demonstrated the change. He demonstrated his own transformation. Look in verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They couldn't help but notice, why is Jesus going to eat with him? Why him? Earl Palmer, one um, commentary, points out that this is the only place in the Gospel where it says they all muttered. You'll read often about the Pharisees grumbling, or maybe the disciples complaining. But here you've got it, every single one of them, everybody, the disciples, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, everybody's murmuring, everybody's grumbling. Why in the world is Jesus going to his house? I think about it, it doesn't make sense. Everybody hates him. Nobody likes him. He's sold out to the enemy. He's the tax collector. He doesn't deserve a, a, an audience with Jesus. This unfair advantage that, that Jesus would go to his house. Why his house? Everybody has to be thinking that. And so they're murmuring. Maybe Zacchaeus has got Jesus duped. Maybe Jesus doesn't know his true colors. Maybe Jesus doesn't know his occupation. Look in verse 8. Everybody's mur murmuring, muttering. But Zac Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Can you imagine that? Giving away half of your possessions? Giving away half. Go back home today. And think about giving away half. Half your stuff. Let's say you could keep your house. Half your furniture. Half your clothes. Half your tools. How many cars you got? Divide that by two. Giving away half of your stuff. What would you give away? What would you keep? Notice he begins to make restitution. And he pays back Luke records it here, four times the amount. Four times. Now, if you know the Old Testament law, that was not the norm. That was not expected. In fact, in Numbers 5, 7, it talks about if you confess about taking something wrong that didn't belong to you, stolen something, you give that back plus 20%. So if you stole $100, you'd pay back $120. Zacchaeus saying, I'm going to pay back 400 bucks. That's huge. That's a big step. More than anybody expected. I guarantee at that moment when Zacchaeus said this, there were people lining up saying it starts right here. Because they knew. 
He'd stolen from them. He'd exported money from them. But the transformation is, is so obvious. Here's the reality of it. It's easy to say you're sorry. It's harder to put your money where your mouth is. It's easier in your marriage to say you're sorry. It's tougher to change. It's easier to apologize and say, you know, I need to spend more time with my kids. It's harder to change your schedule so that you're off, not overcommitted, and can be there for them. In 1920, the Summer Olympics were being held in Belgium. And that year in Belgium, it was the first year they featured the, the flag that had the five rings with the white background. It has become almost the iconic symbol of, of the games. Well, fast forward to 1997, and the 101-year-old bronze medalist, his name was Hal Priest, he won in 1920 for platform diving. He was being interviewed at a U.S. Olympic Committee dinner. During the interview, the reporter happened to mention the missing flag to the priest, who then shocked everybody by saying, I can help you with that. It's in my suitcase. Back in 1920, during the Olympics, his fellow Olympian dared him to climb the flagpole and steal the flag which he did. Stole it, put it in a suitcase, and it had been there for 77 years. At the age of 103, to clear his conscience, how Priest traveled back to Sydney, Australia for the Games, gave it back to the Olympic Committee, and said this, people will think more of me for giving it away than for keeping it. Restitution helps prove we're really committed to our words. We're committed to the transformation. Now, you can't undo some things. We know that. You can't unscramble some eggs. But you can try to make restitution. That's what Zacchaeus did. I'll pay it back four times. See, I have a question for you. Do you think this was the last generous gift of Zacchaeus? Do you think he just said this because Jesus was standing there and that others were listening? Was it just a show? Was it just a front? Or is this a changed man? I read about a husband a week before Christmas, maybe been in a situation like this, where he had bought his wife a thing or two for Christmas, but he thought, I just need one thing more. You know, I just need one more thing. And so he thought about it for a little bit, and he remembered that she had talked about, like some of her friends, getting her nails done. So he went to one of the salons, and he asked how much it would cost. I think it was like 25 bucks. So he bought a gift certificate. 25 bucks and so he wrapped it up and on Christmas morning she opened this gift that gift that gift and when you opened up that gift certificate she was so tickled didn't expect it didn't see it coming had always wanted it didn't want to splurge spending that kind of money on herself so he thought I did good she went the next week cashed in that gift certificate got her nails done and she was so proud she would show him and she'd show her friends now she's getting her nails done well, about three weeks later, she told her husband, hey, I'm going to go get my nails done. And he's thinking, wait a minute, that was a one-time gift certificate. Some of you women are thinking, yeah, he didn't get it. Some of you men are thinking, I don't understand, what's your point? <laughs> Ask a woman next to you to explain. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? And it became that. Most expensive gift he ever gave his wife. Paid for it in monthly installments. 
Zacchaeus was a changed man. I I read it that way. He continued to be generous. I don't think this was a one-time action because Jesus was there. I think he stopped cheating people. Maybe gave up his job. Maybe found something that he could live with and, and, and be honest. And I think that's why the Lord made certain that this story is included in Luke's Gospel. I think so, because look at verse 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. And the next verse is a favorite to so many. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. See, being transformed by Jesus Christ is not a one-time event. It's not a single occurrence. It's not like, well, I was saved on this day. I was baptized on this day. Baptism is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the starting block. It's when, you're, when you announce to the world and you proclaim that you are His. Zacchaeus is communicating that very thing. I'll pay back four times. I'm not going to be a cheat anymore. I'm going to mend the relationships that were broken because of my dishonest heart. I'm going to continue to give generously. See, Jesus did two things for Zacchaeus in these short verses. But I want you to see this. First, He forgave his sins. And that's huge. But He also restored his dignity. With everybody watching, when nobody wanted to be saved, who invited Him? Zacchaeus is given both. He's given a new chance. He was changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus used the words, speaking to a lot of Jews listening, this man is the son of Abraham. He's in. He's one of mine. He's saved. Zacchaeus was a little man who became a giant. And really what we see here in this wee little man is a story of the huge power of our God who came in the flesh to show that everybody has value, everybody has worth, no matter how bad you've blown it, no matter how everybody hates you, how many relationships you've messed up, there is still hope in Jesus Christ. And that's the message. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Scott Dudley wrote this. 18 verses after Jesus encounters Jesus, Zacchaeus, Jesus marches into Jerusalem. A week later, he'll be crucified. The story of Zacchaeus begins with Zacchaeus climbing a tree because he doesn't think he matters. And a week later, Jesus will go onto another tree to prove to Zacchaeus that he does matter and that you matter too. That's why we love the story of Zacchaeus. The invitation is for anyone to accept Jesus Christ for who He is. To confess that you believe He is the Son of God. To answer His call to be baptized so He can wash you clean and make you a new creation so that you can be changed. He wants to forgive your sins and restore your dignity. He came to save you. Or if we can pray for you, so that you can be the kind of person that says by your actions, by your spirit, by your words, there's Jesus. Instead of blocking and keeping people. Won't you come while we stand and sing to encourage you?